podcast. As always, I'm your host, Emma, and today we are talking about volume one of the Grandmaster of Demonic Cultivation, also known as Modao Zushi. My friend May, as I talked about in Scum Villain, she was like, Emma, you have to keep reading these series. She got me completely addicted to them, to say the least. And so I read Scum Villain, and now I'm reading Grandmaster of Demonic Cultivation. And then she was saying, oh, read Heaven's Official Blessing yet, but I have to admit, and hear me out, Thousand Autumns, I heard volume two's coming out, so part of me's like, I could read Thousand Autumns, because I heard that Yan Wuxi is amazing. Well, but then when reading the back, I'm like, maybe he's not as amazing, but I don't know, like, it's just, that's what I told her, like, he was amazing. I'm like, amazing, like, as a person, or as a character, or is he one of these morally gray men that we're just gonna ignore everything bad he does? Like, what kind of, yeah, so... That is a whole different thing I'm going to explore. But I'm also not going to lie. The series The Husky and His White Cat Cheesin has been on my list for a very, very, very long time. And I have volume one sitting on my bookshelf. And every time I pass by it, I feel guilty for not having read it yet because I want to read it so badly. Because also, the fan art I have seen from it as I've been avoiding spoilers has just been stunning, and I want to be a part of that, and I was told that that series will rip my heart out. And I want that. I so badly want that for some reason, and I'm like, damn, I need to read that soon. But I don't want to read it in the middle of Moda's Zushi, because I want to finish it. And as I'm recording this, I'm going to probably start reading volume 2, in the next couple of days because I'm, I'm finishing up Confessions of a Mask and then I'm probably going to start reading it because I'm looking at it and it's right there and I want to but we're not talking about that right now we're talking about volume one and I loved it. MXTX has such a way of writing characters that truly is where she shines. These characters in Scum Villain and the characters I've met so far in Grandmaster of Demonic Cultivation are so diverse and so lively and so different from one another. I, I realize that diverse and different pretty much in the context of this means the same, but they are like fascinating and I can't get enough of them. Wei Wuxian is absolutely hilarious and then the way he balances out Lan Wanji is probably one of my favorite things about them. They are polar opposites. They cannot be any more opposite. It's actually kind of beautiful because Lan Wanji or Lan Zan he loves bunnies so much. And I love that the cold, stoic man loves bunnies of all things. I really do. And there's a scene where Wei Wuxian brings the bunnies and one is white and one is black. And Wei Wuxian always wears these black and red robes. Well, black robes with the red accents. So his red headband or hair tie and like red um, a belt or red lining on his robes, but Lan Wanji always wears white. His sect wears a lot of white or very pale blue, kind of resembling clouds. So he's one white bunny and one black bunny. And Lan Wanji, when looking at them, says to Wei Wuxian, they're both males. And so it's kind of hinting at this further between them that the black bunny and the white bunny are both males and Wei Wuxian's like, oh, they love each other. And Lan Wanji's like, they're both men. And I think it hints more at them because in later volumes on the cover, you see them with the bunnies. And there's many pictures 
in the book, even in volume one of them with the bunnies and the images of the bunnies. And I really like that, like something so innocent and also so subtle in a way that it's beautiful. And Wei Wuxian is so funny, but my favorite, and I'm so sorry, I'm probably mispronouncing this. I've been working on my pronunciation and also when looking up the pronunciation for this name, so many different things came up. I'm like, please, please someone just tell me how to pronounce it because I have like 10 different pronunciations in front of me. I don't know which one I'm supposed to follow. But Lan Shizui, I think that's how you pronounce it, one of the Lan Juniors, my all-time favorite. He is the king. I love him. He steps foot on this page and his name is mentioned. I'm like, it is a good page. I love him for some reason and I cannot tell you why. And I'm really hoping he is in further volumes and I'm so petrified that he's going to die. I really don't think you guys understand because not only is he a supporting character and who clearly is close with Wei Wuxian and Lan Wanji, even though we don't really have a reason why yet, but he's also my favorite character. So he's close with the main characters. He is almost like a like a little brother type of thing, I guess, because he seems to really respect and honor Lan Wanji and really look up to him. And also he clearly has some connection with Wei Wuxian, but he doesn't really tell you that yet. And he's a supporting character and he's young and somewhat innocent, like, and he's my favorite. It's just not shaping up to be well. And if he dies, I'm gonna be heartbroken. And MXTX will get a very sad email from me. If I could even find an email, I don't even think I could, but it would just be like, why? Please, please take it back. Please erase that chapter and take it away from my books. But good old Lan Shizui is my favorite. He's so cute. And I hope he's in the more. I really, really want him to be in the more. He's just so everything I could want in a character. I don't know why, I just love him. So the book opens and it's really takes you by surprise because you're looking at the front cover you're like okay that makes sense there's Lan Wanji and there's Wei Wuxian and you read the back and it's like oh Wei Wuxian and Lan Wanji like rekindling a relationship and all this like political drama going on and literally the first line is rejoice Wei Wuxian is dead I'm like how could you have died before the story even started Wei Wuxian like what what could you possibly have done with with your life like what are you doing but you learn that Wei Wuxian died when he got involved with demonic cultivation, which is, I guess, their version of black magic. So he gets involved in that, and the other clans, including the clan that Lan Wanji is a part of, takes him down. And this book starts with people talking about his death and everything, and what the world's like after it. And it says that after Wei Wuxian's death, judgment of his character was no longer refutable. The discussions were mostly the same, and any small voice of dissident was immediately squashed. However, gloom still firmly enveloped everyone's minds. Although the Yingling patriarch, Wei Wuxian, had died at the burial mound and the remnants of his soul could not be summoned, perhaps his soul had also been ripped apart and devoured by the millions of ghosts or perhaps it had escaped. The former would naturally be joyous occasion for the entire world. However, the Yingling patriarch had the ability to topple the earth and move mountains and seas. At last, it was what the legend said. It would be no great task for him to resist soul summoning if he desired it. If his spirit had returned in the future, if he took over a body and was reincarnated, then the cultivation world, the entire mortal world, in fact, would be cursed to face even greater vengeance, sinking into the endless storms of darkness and blood. And so, when the 120 stone beast 
required to seal the mountain were set down at the peak of the burial mound. Even the major clans began conducting frequent soul-summoning rituals. They also strictly monitored for cases of possession, sought far and wide for abnormal occurrences, and tightened their security to the max. In the first year, all was peaceful. In the second year, all was peaceful. In the third year, all was peaceful. In the thirteenth year, all was still peaceful. Thus, more and more people finally came to believe that perhaps Wei Wuxian had not been that amazing after all. Maybe he really had perished. Even though he had once turned the world upside down, there at last come a day where he was the one overturned. No one could worship on the divine altar forever. Legends were merely legends. So it starts with that, and you're like, who is this? And then Wei Wuxian in this book is a dopey man. Like, I'm trying to figure out what turned him into the Ying patriarch that apparently can control spirits and topple mountains and divide the sea and he's a bumbling idiot sometimes in this book. I really can't wait to really see like his true power and on the cover of the third book you clearly see that like something really really happens because you see him in a much darker light where here he's like kind of like bumbling around a little bit and completely at like the mercy of Lan Wanji. Like Lan Wanji's like, okay, you're gonna stay with me and you're gonna sleep with me. And Wei Wuxian's like, you can't make me. And Lan Wanji's like, yes, I can. And he just puts a spell on him and like, doesn't let his legs move. So like he, and they're just laying there at night. I'm like, if you were the Ling, Yi Ling patriarch that apparently can topple mountains and someone goes, what are you doing, man? Like, well, you can just get up. There's like a big contradiction and I really kind of like that. I want to see his power and what he can do and why he was so feared. Like I want to see that and I want to know like if it took this many clans to bring him down, a single man down, what what power does he have? I want to see it. But he comes back because of Mo Zhuan Yu who gave up his soul and his body for Wei Wuxian to return. And so Wei Wuxian like wakes up and he's like in this new body and everything. And that's where we also see kind of like he's arguing with a donkey like Wei Wuxian I just heard about how he can topple mountains it took like four sects to take him down and then he argues with his donkey when he's trying to escape like the woman that's just yelling at him the whiplash and the contradiction was beyond me but he returns to um Juzo which is where Lan Wanji is of course our main man the sect that Lan Wanji is a part of is pretty strict like very strict and so it even says some of the rules of the cloud recess which is where they live and they say that whose clan has over 3,000 rules without any repetition never mind the killing prohibited private fights prohibited promiscuity prohibited night outings prohibited clamor prohibited I can't believe there's also laughing without reason prohibited, improper sitting prohibited, eating more than three bowls of rice prohibited. Wei Wuxian cut off quickly. What private fights are prohibited too? And he's talking with uh, Zhang Cheng about all the crazy rules that they have. So like they can't drink, they can't really kind of sleep with anyone. They all have, or they can't really curse. They, they can't do a lot of things and they actually have a headband on them. Lan Wanji has it and it's a big thing. He doesn't want anyone to touch it. And he even says like, I don't touch anyone. And so he's very reserved. And I read that the headband is only supposed to be removed by your fated person. It's like your soulmate or the person you're going to marry. And so it wasn't talked about in this book yet, but I remember reading about that because I was trying to figure out the name of the robes and clothes that they were wearing and i ended up finding out that fact about the headband and still could not find what the name 
of it because some people were saying that these are not historically accurate clothing and then a bunch of different names were changing and then different time periods have different names for like the robes and the pants and the shoes that they were so I was trying to figure out like what is the name of the clothes that they were wearing so I could talk about them because honestly they are beautiful I'm a little bit jealous because I I want to be a cultivator guys like I'm obsessed with this whole world and this whole genre but like the robes are beautiful when you see the cosplays or the fan art or even like the live action or the art in the book it, they're just beautiful the robes I want to know like what the names of them were because I was just curious and couldn't really find an exact name for them but I found out about the headband because even Lamanji says I don't touch people he doesn't he's very like no don't near me don't do this don't do that he's very much by the books and he is said to be like the perfect lan from it like he is said to be elegant and proper and respectful he's very quiet very stoic he follows the rules he is also someone that enforces them so there's a lot going on with that but you actually see when Wei Wushen is walking by and Lan Wanji is bathing he peeks inside and he notices that the whip marks on his back and that is what he's looking at and there's something from the discipline whip which is something that only kind of heads of families are lashed with and so the fact that Lama Ji who's supposed to be this perfect person has one it's very shocking to Wei Wushen and it says however Wei Wushen was most definitely not someone unable to avert his gaze when st when stunned by a bathing beauty in the first place it wasn't if his it wasn't as if he were actually into men no matter how beautiful this man was. It was because there was genuinely something in particular on the man's back that he was unable to look away. Dozens of crisscrossing scars. Those were the type of marks that were left behind by the discipline whip. Among the cultivation clans, there was a type of discipline whip that was used to punish disciples of the head family. It was reserved for those who had committed the most grievous of mistakes, and after such punishments, the scars would never fade. While Wei Wuxian had never experienced this particular lashing himself, Zhang Cheng had. Wei Wuxian had whacked his brain to help him lighten the humiliating marks, but all efforts had been fruitless. Wei Wuxian would never mistake the sight of such scars. Usually a couple of lashings from the disciplined whip was already a severe lesson, enough to engrave it in one's mind forever, never to commit the same wrongs again. But there were, at minimum, 30 disciplined whip scars on the man's back. What heinous crime had he committed to get whipped like that? If it truly was so heinous, why hadn't he been executed outright to purge the sect of such corruption? So he's talking about the marks on Lamanji's back. And kind of confused because Lamanji is supposed to be this perfect person. And this head, he's like the golden child. And here he is with such deep marks and so many of them from a whip that only is really used for severe punishments and then he goes on and he talks about how Lamaji also has the same branding on him that Wei Wushen had and it says he was used to seeing Lan Gongzi with his hair and forehead ribbon fastened orally and methodically not a single piece out of place the sight of him now slightly loosened black hair thinly robed it was something he had never witnessed before so Wei Wushen couldn't help but take a look or two in the midst of, dra of dragging and throwing, Lan Wanji tightened close collars as also being tugged askew, revealing his divine collarbone as well as a dark red brand mark below. At the sight of the brand mark, Wei Wushan's attention was stolen again. He had an identical mark on his body too before he became the Yangling Patriarch, and the one on Lan Wanji was no different from the one Wei Wushan had in his former life in, in place or in shape. It was no wonder it looked familiar and not strange at all. Speaking of it, it wasn't the only brand mark that was strange. There were also the 30-some 
lash marks from the disciplined whip on Lama Ji's back. From a young age, Lama Ji had made a name for himself. He was highly commended and the most orthodox of distinguished orthodox cultivators. One of the twin jades in whom the Lan clan of Guzo possessed intense pride. His every word and actions were regarded by the elders as the benchmark of, of disciple excellence. So what unforgivable crime had he committed to garner such a severe punishment? So you see that there clearly is something that Lan Wanji now is hiding. Because not only was he hiding why he had these marks, and of course, he probably is not hiding them on purpose. He probably just doesn't want to talk about it. It's not like he's like, oh, wait, we should can never know about this. It seems very much that he has these scars and he keeps them covered. Because of course, they're on his back. He's not walking around shirtless all the time. You don't really get any sense of, is Lamanji shameful of them? Does he regret what he did? You never really get any answer on that. But then what also is curious is now he has this branding mark. That's the same as Wei Wushen, and it makes you wonder what is the connection between them. Because you see these hints of connections, and clearly now there is one because of it. And then as you go on, you get some flashbacks of them. And you learn that Wei Wushen had went to train slightly with uh, Guzo before, and he had met Lan Wanji when he was younger. But you are wondering, like, what is this deep connection that they have the same branding mark? And clearly Wei Wushen cannot remember, but Lan Wanji clearly cares about it and it's he branded himself with it but you don't know why or how or when this happened but as the book goes on you see the connections start to grow between them i really like that you're not allowed to drink in Gyuzo, but they have this thing called emperor's smile which is like an alcohol in my mind it's very similar to like a moonshine but i don't know they don't really tell like what kind of alcohol it is but in my mind it's like their version of moonshine and wei wushen always drinks it and he makes fun of Lan Wanji because they have an outing and they are drinking it. And Wei Wushen is able to drink a lot and he's perfectly fine. And Lan Wanji has like one drink and he's such a lightweight that like he's a complete disheveled mess. His, his robes are messy. His shoes are on the wrong feet. Like my man cannot handle his liquor. And I think it's so funny that scene because then the spirit comes and Lan Wanji goes up to like get rid of the spirit. And the spirit is wending and Wei Wushan's like oh no maybe Lan Wanji was faking being drunk and now he's gonna send Wei Ning away and I don't want him to do that and all Lan Wanji does is he just like slaps Wen Ning and because he's so drunk it didn't really hold any power and Wei Ning's just like what is happening and Wei Wushan's like um are you okay Lan Wanji your shoes are on the wrong feet you're a mess like just what is happening and the moments like that were kind of funny because I mean is it god tier writing no it's a light novel for a reason but it's fun it's fast-paced I enjoy it's more serious than scum villain but the messaging in them is deep like you want to know why does Lan Wanji have this stuff on his back why does he have these scars in this branding why is he so strict with following the rules why but why is he also breaking them for Wei Wushan and then you have the scene of Lamanji with his shoes on the wrong feet and you're like this is like the twin jades like this is like the peak of disciple excellence of the Guzo tribe or the Juzo sect like my man could not handle more than like a shot of emperor smile and I love the duality between them and I love the mix of characters she's so good at writing characters I love them but the last thing I wanted to talk about because it's left on a cliffhanger the book and I don't want to also spoil it for you guys because I want you guys to go read it but when Lamanji is drunk Wei Wushen is talking with him. And a lot of the times, Wei, uh, Lan Wanji will answer as a, mm, like a, like a humph, like a, not really answering it. And they're having this conversation. 
And so he goes, Wei Wuxian used his sleeve to wipe the droplets dripping off of Lao Wenji's chin and then put his arm around the shoulders. Han Wenju, are you going to do whatever I tell you right now? Mm-hmm. Lan Wenji said, you'll learn to everything I ask for you? Mm-hmm. Wei Wuxian pushed and knee onto the bed and crooked a smile. Well then, let me ask you, have you ever snuck a sip of Emperor's smile you hid in your room? No. Do you like rabbits? Yes. Have you ever violated the rules? Yes. Do you like someone? Yes. Wei Wuxian pulled his punches with his questions since he didn't actually plan on prying Lan Wanji's private business. He simply ensured that the man was indeed going to answer every one of his questions. He continued, What do you think of Zhang Chang? A frown. Humph. What about Wei Ning? Clear disinterest. Heh. Wei Wuxian pointed to himself with a wide, happy grin. What about this one? Mine, Lan Wanji answered. Lan Wanji gazed intensely at him and repeated, Clear emphasizing the word mine. Wei Wuxian suddenly got it. And then it's fine because then they go on and so Wei Wuxian does not have a response to that. So then he like takes Lama Ji's sword, Bichin. And he's like, do you want it? And Lama Ji's like, yes. He's like, well, you gotta do stuff. And so they're kind of messing around. So you see like this duality between Lan Wanji and clearly there is something there. Clearly he's willing to break these rules for Wei Wuxian. And I have a feeling these scars and the brand, well, definitely the branding has something to do with Wei Wuxian. But definitely, I think these scars have something to do with him too. I think maybe in a past life, maybe they were mad that he had relations with him or maybe they feared that Lan Wanji was going to betray them for Wei Wuxian. But I think these scars are also involved with Wei Wuxian. But yeah, I highly recommend giving this series a look. Just like Scum Villain, it's really captivating the characters are great the story seems a little bit more serious than scum villain and it also seems to be building up to something very more i mean there's four more volumes i have this also seems to have a lot more of the political aspect of it the between the sects and also between the different types of cultivation so it seems to be more of that like political drama um schooling the idea of discipline what is happening how to raise people all of this so i'm interested to see how it continues i'm very very excited to read volume two and to continue really these books in scum villain and grandmaster demonic cultivation really thrive with the character writing and the personalities of these characters i don't think i would be as engaged if it wasn't for the characters I think that is MXTX's real talent there is writing characters. I mean, all of them are rememberable. All of them have something they bring to the table. I've never read a character in one of these books so far. I read five of her books and I haven't met a character yet where I was like, eh, you're bland. All of them are so lively and dynamic and bring so much to the table. So I highly recommend checking it out. I'm going to be reading the rest of the series i'll have an episode for each of them but yeah if you have any recommendations please let me know i want to always hear from you guys about what you want to talk about what you want to hear about what books you want to read and so you can always tell me about that i have the form in my in the link in my bio if you want to look there you can anonymously submit recommendations or you can always message me i'm an oh i mean i'm open to you guys whatever you guys want we can talk about we can try to figure out try to work it out but thank you always for the support, and until next time, this has been the Notes from the Library.